NWA World Heavyweight Champ. First appearance on our championship wrestling. Uh, Rick Flair, Rick, we're delighted to have you here today. And we really appreciate uh, your not only being here for the contract signing, which is a rather momentous occasion for this section of the country, but also uh, agreeing to wrestle here today. Well, hey, I want to admit to you, and I want to apologize to a lot of people out there, I've had the wrong impression of Memphis. You know, I got off my jet today, and they had a real big airport here. And I even saw a couple Cadillacs on the highway as I came over here to the TV station. And you, contrary to my belief, from what I'd heard, are a real literate TV announcer, and Memphis really is showing me a lot more class than I was led to believe. And Mr. Marlin here obviously promotes one of the finest wrestling promotions I've ever seen anywhere in the country, and it's a pleasure for Ric Flair, the world champion, to be right here in Memphis, and I'm going to do all I can to make this promotion as successful as any promotion that I take part in. Well, I want to say on behalf of everybody in the area that, of course, everybody knows the uh, tremendous uh, background and the what led up to being the world heavyweight champion, winning the title from Dusty Rhodes and all. Rick, we're delighted to have you here today. And again, we appreciate the fact that you are and have agreed to uh, wrestle here on our championship wrestling. And I think... Uh, you know, after being in big cities like Chicago and New York and Kansas City and Atlanta, you know, a person like myself, who obviously is a top-shelf individual, is led to believe that Memphis was nothing but rednecks and low-class people, and I'm really amazed. And Memphis has shown me a lot. And because, as you mentioned earlier, I'm going to wrestle on this program out of the goodness of my heart. As I said, I'll do anything I can to upgrade and to help professional wrestling. I'm going to strip myself of this $500 sport coat. I'm going to slide out of all this gold, and I'm going to show the people right here in Memphis just exactly what a real world champion looks like. I know they're going to enjoy it just as much as I enjoy showing them. Well, I, uh, you mentioned something there, and, and we'll get into this important thing. I do want to say that that has got to be one of the most stunning watches I've ever seen, this beautiful gold watch that Rick is wearing. And that's entirely aside the point, but uh, i got to bring it up because it is unique. Eddie, here is uh, the big thing one. about Ric Flair is unique, and the more you're around Ric Flair, this isn't custom-made, but if I keep coming in out of Memphis with the money that'll follow me, maybe you can afford a custom-made suit. But as you'll see, Mr. Marlin, big-time promoter that you are, I'm going to agree to wrestle the Southern Heavyweight Champion, whoever he may be, in the upcoming future. Put the contract down here, my man. We'll make Memphis a big-time wrestling community. How's that? Uh, golly, I'll tell you one thing. We're looking forward to this one, and the signature goes down. And the agreement on this, uh, Eddie, is, as I understand it, that Rick will wrestle the Southern Heavyweight Champ in the area. Okay, well, we are really looking forward to that. And uh, while the date specifically has not been set, it will be filled in whenever your schedule is, uh, is arranged where you can come in. We're going to be looking forward to that, too. I'll be back shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourself because the magnificent one is going to show you why. He wears the 10 pounds of gold that makes him the greatest professional wrestler alive today. Well, there he is, and we'll be seeing him a little bit later in his tight. There's no question about it that uh, confidence is certainly a part of being a champion, and uh, as you can obviously see, Ric Flair has all the confidence in the world.
North-South Connection. Welcome to this episode of Territorial. I am your host, Sean Kidd, and we are here for another month looking at a feud or a happening from something that happened in the territories of old um, that, you know, maybe some of you have never seen, some of you are revisiting, but it's been a really cool um, thing that we've been doing here over the last few months, and I've had a really good time taking a look at it. Um, typically, um, I was supposed to have co-hosts for this one tonight, uh, but I probably won't have co-hosts for the next few just because of things that have happened, scheduling, etc. Um, I definitely had some things that happened personally that um, kind of altered some of that, but we are back on track. And tonight, uh, very excited about this one because I've heard about this in lore for a long time. Uh, never really went back and sought it out, uh, but it is available on YouTube in its full episode. And we are actually going to Memphis um, and we're going to go to the year 1982. And this is where Ric Flair, for the first time ever, appeared in Memphis on uh, Memphis TV and actually ended up going against Jerry the King Lawler. And the thing that's really cool about this one is we're in the 80s, early 80s. Both of them are kind of in their prime at this point in time. So the fact that these two are actually meeting up, et cetera, et cetera. And the way they did this angle was really, really neat. So just to kind of give you some, you know, maybe history on 82, um, Flair wrestled only one match in the Memphis Territory. Um, and what you'll hear tonight is how they end up facing other, him and Lawler, because you heard at the beginning of the show, uh, Flair comes in. Um, he's there for an appearance. Uh, he's going to sign a future contract to go against the Southern Heavyweight Champion, but that match isn't happening tonight. Flair's just coming on. He's going to showcase himself against um, what is really a territory jobber uh, in uh, Rick McCord. But Flair's 82 is really something because um, at this point, if you really want to look at it from a true world champion standpoint and everything that Flair did, um, he had matches with uh, the Von Erichs. He had matches with Ricky Steamboat. He had matches with the Briscoes. Uh, Brett Sawyer uh, was his challenger. Uh, Jumbo Ceruta, Butch Reed, Bob Backlund. They did a cross-promotion thing there uh, with the WWF when he was a WWF champion. They had Tony Atlas, uh, Tommy Rich, Roddy Piper, uh, Harley Race, Carlos Colon, Paul Orndorff, and many, many, many others. Um, and it's just crazy that, you know, you think about all the talent that Flair has faced in 82. It might be an all-timer, but a real true world heavyweight champion and some all-time names that he faced in 82. Well, what's really cool is, so as we get into late 82, so what we're talking about tonight is happening on the, uh, the TV episode in Memphis of August 14th, 1982. And it's kind of Flair. It's just it's kind of like a pit stop for him and, you know, down the road, there were expectations of him and Lawler facing, obviously, but the way they set it up is on this one-hour program that uh, that Memphis CWA, the promotion or whatever, does. But if you look at 8-14-82, what Flair had going on and what he had coming on, um, coming out of this. So Orlando, the previous night, he faced Dusty Rhodes. Um, in Ohio, uh, for Georgia Championship Wrestling, he is taking on Dick Slater the same night that this TV show is on. And then the next, the night after that, um, the next night, he is taking on Kerry Von Eric in Dallas. So no slowing down here. So imagine this, Dusty Rhodes, uh, Jerry Lawler, Dick Slater, 
Carrie Von Eric on back-to-back days. And again, just goes back to what Flair's 82 is. So let's give some context in what's going on. So you heard the beginning of this show. Uh, Flair came out. You heard the promo. Um, so what happens in later in the show, uh, Lawler comes out um, after what you heard, like we talked about in our opening for Flair. And Lawler starts cutting a promo on winning the Southern title recently and how he used Jimmy Hart to win it. And he really shits all over Jimmy Hart, <laughs> says he came. So basically, very kind of a heel promo that Lawler cuts in this. Um, but Lawler says he came early to see Ric Flair, and he wants to shake hands with him. So Flair comes out to wrestle Rick McCord. Uh, but Lance asks Flair to come down um, real quick so Lawler can shake his hand. Jokingly, Flair asks Lawler what his name is, which is kind of like a cool little dig because flair really during this whole thing acts like you know he is king shit he is above what he's doing you could hear it when he was talking about when he came to memphis um and so flair says in this he came to memphis to give folks a chance to see him wrestle and lawler is not going to take up any of his time um women basically want to see him slide out of a seven thousand dollar road to take on mccord so what you're going to hear next is kind of the promo and the outline of what sets up the rest of this pod and what sets up the rest of this one hour show. This one whole hour show is really built around this flare appearance. So the booking in this is really great. So we're going to pause right here and we're going to listen to that promo and build up uh, between Lawler and flare that gets us to where we're going to go on this show. You won't get any arguments from me. You know, what you want to do is look as good as possible. This is the first time that you've been on this TV in this That's area. Right. You want to impress these people. You want to look as good as possible today in front of this thousands of people that are watching. Now, I'm going to tell you something about Rick McCord. Now, this is, I like Rick McCord, and this is no offense to Rick at all, but Rick is a young wrestler. He's fairly inexperienced, and I think it's safe to say that Rick has never won a match here on this television. Is that, am I correct? I don't remember it if he did. I'm not saying that as a knock to, uh, to Rick. I'm saying it because the man is inexperienced. Now, were a man of your caliber to go in the ring there, you being the world heavyweight champion, were you to go in there and beat Ric Flair or would, and beat Rick McCord, you, you really aren't going to impress anybody. I mean, there, the, when you step in the ring, there, you wouldn't be able to walk in that audience and get one person to say that that man has a chance again. You know, you and I just aren't communicating on the same level. You see, these people are here. I could go in there and wrestle a broom. They're here to see Ric Flair. Now, I'm telling you, I gave Memphis a little credit. This Memphis has shown me a little bit more than I thought ever possible in the city of Memphis, Tennessee. But you don't seem to understand these people over here have come to see me against anybody. It could be you. It could be, uh, uh, who, who's the little guy with the dark hair? What's his name? What do they call him? Bill Dundee. Oh, B- Bill Dundee. It could be anybody. Ric Flair, the greatest. Ric Flair, the legend. Ric Flair, your world champion, your world champion, and all these people out here, world champion. So it's no different. You want me to wrestle somebody else? Give me somebody else. Competition. It's all secondary next to Rick Flair. Wow. Rick, excuse me, just one more second. You just said the magic words there. If you you are the world heavyweight champion, that is, there's no doubt in anybody's mind. You wear the gold. You're the greatest wrestler in the world today. So, like you said, it shouldn't matter who you wrestle. Nobody's in your caliber, right? Well, why don't we let Rick go on back to the dressing room? And I had a match schedule very similar to this man right here. If you don't mind, why don't you and I go in the ring? Now, listen. Like I said, no way. 
Listen, wait a minute, Rick. I think it's the folks like that. It's obvious to you that even I'm not in your caliber. Nobody in this area is in your caliber. So when you beat me, you're going to impress these people. They will be impressed when you beat Jerry Lawler right in that ring. You want to wrestle the world champion? Don't you think anybody wants to wrestle the world champion? Hey. It's an honor for me, Rick. I would love to wrestle. It would be What kind of a time limit do we have in these matches? Uh, ten minutes. One ball, ten minutes uh, time limit. You want ten minutes of my time? I would love it. Is that all right with you? Non-title. Get in the ring, brother. Uh, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Rick Flair has said he will go on a non-title, one-fall, ten-minute time limit bout. Let me ask you one more thing. I know, I realize I'm taking a lot of your time here, and it's very valuable, precious time, but since, since I or uh, Rick McCord up there, nobody in this area is in the same caliber of wrestler as you, and that's true because you are the one and only world champion, since we've only got ten minutes, why don't we really make this interesting? Why don't we make everybody out there at home excited? All of these people really excited. Make this the most interesting, exciting show that there's ever been on wrestling and put the world title up for just the 10 minutes. No big deal. You probably beat me in 30 seconds. You wouldn't be You're the world champion. Little, you wouldn't be putting a little of that country jive on me now, would you? No, no. You know, Lance, would I jive the world, the world, the world champion? champion never put this title on TV. Number one, I don't make $500,000 a year, and I don't fly around in a big jet defending that title on local TV programs, you understand? But I'll tell you what I'm going to do, because you're a big deal around here, because I even saw you on TV the other night. Boy, you were a real big deal the other night. Tell you what I'm going to do for you, what I'm going to do for you, and I'm going to do for Memphis, because I think it's long overdue. You get in that ring, the belt will be on the line, and I'm going to pull you through your hoop, Daddy. Mm, well, you heard it right there. Rick Flair said he would put... So Lawler talks his way into a match. Like Lawler, like this whole natural like back and forth between Flair um, was really good. Like Jerry kind of being the local hometown guy um, and naturally as a hometown guy wanted to face the world champion. So I thought it was a really natural kind of way that they were going back and forth and how Jerry was just clearly setting himself up to take on flair um and there were some good lines in here i i also like that lawler you know kind of went out of his way to not low-key sitting on mccord saying does he ever want a match and <clears throat> then flair kind of like talking about i'll defend him against anybody and him saying who's that guy and so kind of shitting on bill dundee um flair with some of the lines um you know i saw you on tv so i know you're kind of a big deal and <laughs> the uh, country the country jive line uh, was pretty amazing. Uh, very impromptu. <laughs> so uh, really, really good stuff and a really good back and forth. So Lawler and Flair uh, head to the ring. But Flair is not done saying his piece and <clears throat> actually heads back out uh, to talk to Lance Russell. Rick McCord steps out. Okay, Dave, how about the official interest? Whoa, how about this? All right. Introducing the challenger from Memphis, Tennessee, at 228 pounds, Jerry the King Lawler, and the champion from Minneapolis, Minnesota, 240 pounds, Rick Flair. This is a world championship match, one fall, 10-minute time limit, 
Jerry Calhoun, the referee. Well, I'll tell you, Davey, we have often said that on championship wrestling where the uh, unexpected can be expected, it happened today. Okay, we'll get it clear. One more comment uh, from Rick before we get it underway here. Yeah, Rick. Never let it be said that the world champion is not a fair man. Lawler's a big deal in this part of the country. He's a big deal in professional wrestling. But you see, his image was all Jerry Lawler because he never was in the ring with Ric Flair. So if Mr. Lawler wants to step out of this ring and walk back there before I embarrass him and before, really, he has to walk out of this television studio with his head between his legs, I'm going to give him an opportunity to do it. So why don't you make that clear to the audience and make that clear to Lawler. If you want, the easy way out, brother. Just get out of the ring and I'll forget it. You really want 10 minutes with a world champion? Well, you want 10 minutes with Ric Flair? Daddy, you got it. Don't let Gus get on this, brother. Oh, no. We got it. Well, by golly, I'll tell you, I take my hat off to the champion in this respect. So I really like the quick follow-up here that they just did. Uh, you know, Flair kind of goes out, talks to Lance, and... It's almost like he was backtracking a bit and clarifying in uncertain terms that Lawler uh, wanted it um, and made sure he wanted to do it. And basically says, hey, Lawler, this is your last chance of that. Lawler's like, hell no, I don't want out of this. Uh, you know, it's 10 minute world title uh, world title match. And so Lawler basically calling his bluff was perfect. So, again, just natural with Flair, Flair as kind of the attitude of the I'm better than you champion and then Jerry being the local confident uh, baby face and I just love how they set this up like Lawler totally talked him into this match and Flair kind of tries to get his way out of it it's almost like reverse psychology and Lawler kind of called his bluff so I really kind of like how they set this up and kind of this really good TV and how they did it. it was just natural dialogue and Things that made sense. So we're going to talk about the world title tournament, the, the match, not tournament, but the match. Um, and it's Flair versus Lauder, as stated, world title, 10-minute time limit. So to start off, it's nice mat wrestling uh, between the two. In retrospect, watching this um, was thinking about it was what a big deal this had to be for those wrestling fans watching in Memphis TV at the time. Is you know really, if you think about it, Lawler is like the Hulk Hogan of Memphis before Hogan was even a thing in the WWF. And this match was literally a little over two weeks after Lawler and Kaufman had their David Letterman confrontation from their ongoing feud, which is a whole nother thing. So we're just like two weeks removed from this. And now he Lawler's already going against Ric Flair. So Flair shoves Lawler and tells him um, when he's in the ropes to get off. Uh, Flair, again, treating Lawler like a local guy who can't tie his shoes is great. Lawler wins a test of strength into a side headlock and takes Flair down. Lawler does a shoulder tackle and hip toss to Flair off the ropes as the studio crowd goes nuts with four minutes left. Uh, Flair needed a gut and a chop, needed a head. Lawler reverses a suplex into a sleeper. Uh, the crowd absolutely loses it. Flair drops down by the edge of the ring and sends Lawler outside. Uh, really smart strategy here. Back in ring, Flair goes for a pile driver, but ref reminds him that the pile drivers aren't legal in Memphis. Uh, Flair hits a side suplex, uh, drops an elbow and chop and gets a two count with one minute to go. Uh, Flair hits a suplex on a figure four with 30 seconds to go and time expires. So 
this was kind of odd. So we went to the 10-minute time limit. What I found odd here is to see the face on the heat end of the time limit expire as Flair yells, he gave up, didn't he? Um, which was weird because, you know, Lawler was actually in jeopardy of losing the match when the time limit expired. Typically, when you see these things, the faces are the ones that, you know, as you get down to the time limit, they're the ones trying to get the fall. They're the ones trying to get the win. But this is kind of flair. So at this point, um, with the match being over as a 10-minute draw, Flair walks over to Lance Russell. And Flair tells Lance, uh, you know, he wants another five minutes because there wasn't a winner. And Flair is very adamant that, you know, obviously, like I just talked about, there was heat that, you know, he had Lawler beat. So he wanted an extra five minutes. Well, we're going to go the extra five minutes, but we don't exactly get the extra five minutes because here's what happens. They're taking a breather out here, getting out of the ring. After Lawler, it's been all Lawler in this uh, second five minutes. Blair grabs his, uh, his belt and heads out of here. Rick Blair after me. Telling referee Jerry Calhoun that he left, count him out of it. And Jerry is right, he did pick up his belt and left. Counted out! I'm the world heavyweight champion, right? I boy, I tell you, I just really don't know. He left the ring. He's counted out, I'm the champion. I I don't So Flair bails. And didn't even go the full five minutes. Um, so Flair gets counted out. Well, just like pile drivers are illegal in Memphis, uh, count outs also can cost you your titles. So the reason why Lawler is angry here and you hear him screaming and that is um, I'm the world champion. And he's angry is by Memphis law or Memphis rules by a count out. Technically, Jerry Lawler should be the world champion. So we come back from commercial. Um, and when we come back from a commercial, Flair is back out and he is very, very hot and he's not alone as he comes out with Jimmy Hart. So let's take a look at what happens here. And, uh, it would seem to me that that would make Lawler the, uh, world heavyweight champion. Well, it's real confusing to everybody except Rick Flair. I went back and talked to him and he said, what's the big deal? He said, show me the contract for today's title match and I'll produce the belt. So without his word, it wasn't a title match. So he said we had to have a contract. We didn't have a contract. Here he is right here. Just a minute, brother. Produce a contract. Show me a contract that said I wrestled for the world championship. Show it to me. You're a big deal in this town. You're a big man. Show me a contract. You don't like it doesn't exist. You think you're talking to some country hicks like this town's made out of? You're talking to the world champion, brother. We took you for your word. Well, I'll tell you what. Take me for this, brother. You will never see the day that I wrestled Jerry Lawler. And you know why? I'll tell you why. Don't crowd me. Get in here, big man. This seems to be the only man in the whole town that I can look in the eye and believe. You understand what I'm telling you? He's like me. He likes nice clothes. He likes the good laugh. He likes the soft touch of a pretty woman. And he likes money. So let me show you something, brother. Don't you walk away either. I don't care if you're a multi-millionaire, Eddie Marlin. I'm a multi-millionaire, too. Just a minute, partner. I 
presume then that officially means that the title did not change hands. It was no title match. Who's wasting it around? You're not damn well to change hands. Okay. It's on the way to the world champion, brother. All right. Well, you you know, I want to tell you something. I came out here out of the goodness of my heart. I flew my little jet in here out of the goodness of my heart. And you country bumpkins, you rednecks, tried to put something over on Mr. Cool. No way, Daddy. Not today, anyway. What did they What is happening here? We, uh... Hey. Don't you worry. When I turn around, I'll tell you what's happening. Well, in case you just joined us, this is the world heavyweight champ, uh, Rick Flair, who uh, has called this meeting uh, with Jimmy Hart out here. Now, all right. My personal check. And, brother, if you don't think it's as good as gold, call anywhere in the country. Anywhere. I got more money and more banks around the United States than any man alive. $10,000. You know what this is for? Because I want you to bring me the blood and the sweat and the guts of Jerry Lawler. And you, for trying to intimidate me, for trying to pull something off, are going to have to watch the slow destruction of your big-time hero. You understand what I'm telling you? I don't care if you're a multi-millionaire. You don't. Yeah, well, take this and take this. It's my word. $10,000, brother. I'll sign the check the day you deliver to me a piece of Jerry Lawler. I don't care whether you wrap it up, whether you put it in a box. I don't care. I want to hear that Lawler's got a broken leg. I want to hear he's got a broken arm. I want to hear he's got a broken neck. I want to hear Jerry Lawler is no longer a professional wrestler. And I'll tell you what, Daddy, because you're the man you are, that 10000 is just opener. Now you, Mr. Russell, I complimented you. I said you were a real man. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. I can't help but believe deep down inside you didn't have something to do with this. And because you think Jerry Lawler's a big deal, you're gonna have the privilege of watching this too. Because we're gonna bring in men from all over the world. And still keep your mouth shut, brother, when I'm talking. And Jerry Lawler, if you're out there, remember this, brother. You are going to belong to me as a present from this man right here. Let me say one thing, baby. For $10,000, he might not even be alive the time you get back, baby. For ten grand, for ten grand, woo! Yeah, you came to the right one when you went to heart. That's for a fact. Let me tell you something. What comes out of my mouth is as good as gold. Put it in the bank. What I can't go out and get myself, I buy. And I'm buying... Jerry Lawler's hide. I'm going to be very polite. Lawler, laugh, joke about this, but remember one thing. You've never come up against Ric Flair. And what I want, I get. You remember it, and you remind these people in Memphis, Tennessee, there's only one big daddy, and it's Ric Flair. Okay, well, we heard it from the... Uh from the world's champion in a rather unchampionship-like gesture getting Jimmy So basically, what I loved about this was earlier we talked about how um, Lawler came out shit on Jimmy Hart. Well, now Flair is angry, um, feels like he's been disrespected. He brings Jimmy Hart out. 
Um, and what it did was, and Flair does this in, in a lot of cases, which I'll talk about in a minute when he does these little territory spots. He actually in, he take, took the 10-minute match with Lawler. I also love the way that they got out of the how he did not sign a contract. So, therefore, the world title wasn't technically on the line. So, that was their out. Um, so, I, I did like that. But what I like is they integrated Flair to link up Hart's feud with Lawler moving forward. And they went the bounty route. And they did this a lot back in the territory days. Like, even if you think about Ric Flair and Harley Race on the Build the Star K-83, uh, Harley Race had put a bounty out on Flair. Um, and they did this, uh, he did this bounty thing a couple times uh, in a lot of his territory spots. And this was a big thing that they did back in the day. <clears throat> but anyway, they basically, so they set up that, hey, obviously Flair's here for the spot show. Well, before Lawler ever gets a chance to face Ric Flair, Jimmy Hart, put a they put a bounty on him. He wrote Jimmy Hart a check. And... Flair's goal is to take him out before that world title ever can happen. Um, so I really like that setup, and that also sets up, you know, hey, here's what we're going to do in Memphis along the way, and eventually, hopefully, we'll get Lawler versus Flair. Um, I also like that Flair was calling Marlon a bumpkin, and uh, there was no contract, like I said, for it, and he's still the champion. So this whole thing, top to bottom, start, middle, and end of this one-hour show is really a fantastic piece of booking. Very simple, great use of the world champion. Uh, you got the 10 minute match between him and Lawler, and you got the link up at the end that Lawler and will be facing whatever bounty uh, heart puts in front of him. Um, and hopefully down the road, we would get when Flair returned to the territory, the world title match that we're all looking for between him and Lawler. Um, and again, that was very similar to kind of like, hey, like I guess the best example I could think of is in Mid-South in 85, a bit when Flair appeared in back-to-back -back episodes as a centerpiece to kind of launch a famous angle between uh, Dick Murdoch and Ted DiBiase. But you got a really good solid match uh, between DiBiase and Flair in that. And again, like I said, many of the territories did this with Flair and made for great TV where you make these one appearances. And it would somehow link up to what's going on in the territory and Flair would come back. And I just think they always had a really good kind of niche for how to utilize uh, Flair. Uh, as far as the match itself, um, started slow. Uh, but the Flair run towards the end was really good stuff. And the extra five minutes request to let Jerry get his heat back and Flair bailed after worked out really well. I think it was like three stars for the match I would go as it made you want to see the real match between the two in the future. But for me, a five-star watch overall and a really brilliant one hour of TV programming here. Uh, here's the kicker. Um, unfortunately, we would never see Flair on Memphis TV ever again, as apparently Jerry <laughs> Jarrett uh, found him very arrogant and not easy to deal with. I was not a big fan of him. And so, as you know, in Memphis lore, and if you go back to this time period, they moved into the direction of where the local guy, Jerry Lawler, would go against AWA champion Nick Bockwinkel instead of Flair. Uh, Flair did not have any further matches for the actual Jerry Jarrett promotion from this point on, but he did eventually face Flair for the end or Lawler for the NWA world title again on a show jointly promoted by the CWA and the Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. And it was on the Mid-South Coliseum on Monday, September 30th, 1985, where Flair beat Lawler by disqualification. Um, in November, uh, Jim Crockett of that year, Jim Crockett Promotions would come back, but Flair uh, didn't face Lawler. He faced Coco Beware, 
which he was very angry about, according to Jerry Jarrett. But that match was really fantastic. Um, and in that card, Lawler was actually in a six-man match where he teamed up Dusty and Magnum TA versus Andersons and Tully Blanchard. Um, and this was literally right before uh, Starcade 85, where um, Dusty was going to take on Flair for the world title. Both matches are actually awesome. Um, and I actually covered this uh, with my partners over on the PTBN feed, where we did a pod NWA Crack and Roll, uh, which you can find in the archives. So we did cover those two matches. But here's the kicker. So... To kind of get out of this thing about Hay with Flair um, and never seeing the match uh, between him and um, and Lawler proper, about two months after Flair's appearance on Memphis TV, um, AWA champion Nick Bockwinkle, and he was the AWA world champion at the time, he came to Memphis and he actually beat Jerry Lawler on October 10th, 1982 for the Southern Heavyweight Championship. And Nick Bockwinkle, and I had no idea this happened. I'm a, I'm a big Nick Bockwinkle fan. I think he's very underrated. Um, I had no idea that Nick Bockwinkle came in and beat Lawler. Um, it was a dual champion. So he was a Southern champion in Memphis and the AWA World Heavyweight Champion. And for the next few weeks after that, um, Lawler had several rematches to beat Bockwinkle, um, and he failed. Um, so this leads to the interview that you're going to hear next. And this is how they explained off the Flair versus Lawler feud. And this is Nick Bockwinkle and Jimmy Hart talking about it. So here you go. Nick Bockwinkle still owns the Southern Heavyweight Championship. Jimmy Hart, you had a lot to do with it. Well, you know, I think the famous line is, do unto others, Jerry, as you have them do unto you, man. You know, this is probably the greatest moment of my life right now. Because you see, Jerry Lawler, a couple of months back when you were facing Kamala and James J. Dillon with your hair on the line and the belt on the line and the winner to get a world shot against Ric Flair, who came to your rescue? Jimmy Hart. Who won that belt for you, baby, and saved your hair? Jimmy Hart did. And what did he do? He got on TV and he laughed and he made fun of me and he said, Hey, Jimmy, I used you, baby. I used you. Well, nobody uses me. But you know what I did, Jerry Lawler? I used this man right here to take away from you the Southern Belt and also the shot at Ric Flair for the World Belt. Well, Nick Bockwinkle has done it. Jimmy Hart's happy. He's the man that has the Southern Belt, and of course that means it's a Ric Flair deed. Now, I don't want to get any personal arguments, and if uh, Mr. Uh, if Mr. Lawler has made enemies in this part of the country with a number of people by the way he's conducted himself business-wise, and as it turns out, what goes around comes around, and now, after three times out uh, to the post, you have failed, Mr. Lawler, you have taken and made the effort three times, and in three efforts, you have not regained the Southern Heavyweight Championship. Now, I stand before you as the AWA World's Heavyweight Champion. I stand before you as the Southern Heavyweight Champion, and consequently, what this has brought about, and for all you little Cretans humanoids out there, you people here in the greater part of the Memphis area will not see Mr. Flair put up the NWA title against yours truly, the Southern Heavyweight Champion and the AWA Heavyweight Champion. He will have to defend the NWA crown, which I have for years been chasing these people to try to put it up against me, to try to see who is the true and the one and the only real champion. This battle, this fight, this match, this contest will take place, but not here. It's going to take place, as far as I'm concerned, on the West Coast, in either San Francisco or Los Angeles. You mean my that hometown. Memphis, after all of the support and the expectations of seeing the Southern Heavyweight Champion go against 
which Ric Flair will not have the opportunity to see that match here. I hate to say that your people have been deluded into believing that anything that Mr. Lawler said and did, and no matter what part of the country he's gone and signed contracts, I hate to say that he's let you down, but it's just about what it amounts to. He could have gotten a match against Mr. Flair here, but it takes a man of my magnitude to carry three championships, three titles, three belts. I'll have to get extra luggage just to haul these around so that, yes, the poor Cretanous humanoids here, no. I acquiesce not to them, but only to myself. And it is going to be Southern California or San Francisco that that bout takes place. So, Mr. Lawler, I guess I can only say goodbye. And uh, I don't know, maybe after I win Mr. Flair's belt, we may take and either retire this or I may give it back to the championship committee. And they may even have to have a tournament because it'll be so impossible for me to get into this part of the country to defend that belt, let alone the world's heavyweight title. Nick Bockwinkel, the world uh, AWA world champion and also the AWA Southern heavyweight champion, taking his belts and heading back to Beverly Hills, California, where he will defend in that area against Ric Flair for the world's title, and we will not have an opportunity to see it here. It's his. I guess he can do what he wants to. You're right. That's exactly it. <laughs> I love that interview and, like, the simplicity of how they got out of the whole Flair thing, and they kind of try to redirect it to, uh, you know, hey, you know, the initial outline of the beginning of this episode was a Southern heavyweight champion would be the one to face Flair. Well, let's bring, let's, you know, we know Flair is not coming back at this point. So they reverted to the AWA world champion, give him the Southern title. So that match with Lawler won't happen. And I like how, you know, well-spoken it is. I like how Jimmy Hart set it up and kind of goes back to how, you know, Lawler treated him and how he was responsible for Lawler winning the Southern title. I love Nick Bockwinkle coming to the territory literally for a few weeks here just to kind of do this spot. Um, and I love how he said, well, you know, we will not see Ric Flair in Memphis. Uh, the match will take place in my home turf, <laughs> Beverly Hills. Uh, so this is really, really good stuff and basically explains away um, Flair not appearing on Memphis TV ever again, uh, which, again, I think was a really good way of doing it. I think it was smart how they did it. What I also love is we talked a bit earlier in 1982 how Ric Flair faced off WWF champion Bob Backlund. And here you are possibly setting him up against AWA world champion Nick Bockwinkle again. And if you want to go back to true world champions and everything and greatest of all time, and remember that list we ran down with Ric Flair earlier in the pod, um, you one would have to argue that um, Ric Flair, uh, probably out of any world champion, really ran the gamut of what he a world champion does based on the territories in Japan. And um, So here's where we go from here. So as I stated earlier, um, on October 11th, 1982, that's when uh, Bachwinkle won the Southern Championship from Lawler and became a dual champion. Um, and you heard Lawler, or you heard Bachwinkle bring up how Lawler had lost multiple times. Well, here you go. Lawler would regain the Southern title on 11-8-1982. And from there, obviously, he never went on to take on Ric Flair. He ended up feuding with Nick Bachwinkle for the AWA title from there. Remember, this is 1982. Um, he supposedly won it from Bachwinkle in December of that year, uh, but that reign did not count after Bachwinkle won the rematch in January. And from there, it's kind of legendary. Lawler had who knows how many shots at the AWA title uh, over the next five years or four and a half years before he actually won it uh, in May of 87 from Kurt Hennig. So Lawler, 
you know, the Southern champion, I think 30 sometimes in the end, uh, in terms of the uh, run of that title uh, until the end of the actual promotion um, into the, I believe, 90s or whatever, um, late 90s. Uh, but never won the world title, um, never faced Ric Flair again until he actually went. Uh, we talked about he um, did it in September um, of 85, but on TV, uh, they, I don't believe they ever faced each other again until uh, both of them were on uh, Monday Night Raw and they actually had a match on there. Um, so that did take place eventually, but it certainly wasn't when they were in their primes. So, um, so as far as Bachwinkle, he would never face Flair in Beverly Hills either. However, on January 16th, 1986, him and Flair did wrestle to a double countout on their one and only match for the NWA title. Um, and that match is on YouTube. They show about 15 minutes of it. Uh, we did cover that on NWA Crock and Roll as well. Again, you can find the archives of that over on the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed. Uh, but they did face each other. But it was, again, uh, about three and a half years after this whole thing was set up. So that's kind of it in the bow. That's kind of the start, the middle, the finish, and the end game of what happened with Ric Flair in Memphis. Um, a really cool moment in time. Um, and literally for a one-hour piece of wrestling history that, you know, you just don't see stuff like this today. Like imagine Flair or imagine like, I guess, what do you compare it to? An AEW or, I mean, God forbid, the current day NWA and their champions just popping up. And, you know, just go into another promotion. It was just so natural how they did this back in the early 80s. And um, what a cool moment to be a Memphis uh, wrestling fan and to see Ric Flair show up and have your hero, who literally is just removed from the Kaufman feud and that appearance on David Letterman. Uh, it's just a really good timing and sequence. And I guess it's unfortunate uh, that we never got to see that. But I will tell you. Uh, Bachwinkle and uh, Lawler had some bangers, and many of those are on YouTube. So just like this episode, um, you can find this on YouTube, just like um, the matches that I talked about from Memphis with Lawler and that six-man uh, with Dusty and TA. You can find that on YouTube. Flair versus Coco is on YouTube. That's a really, really underrated great match. And you can also find the match of uh, – of, uh, uh, Bachwinkle versus Flair from 86. All of the things we talked about, all the matches, all the happenings um, are all on YouTube for you to go watch. So, And so we'll end it. Again, a really cool piece of history um, of two people in their prime going face-to-face before they went their separate directions. So again, I would definitely, definitely go back and watch this on YouTube as long as well as some of the other uh, Lawler, Bachwinkle, and the other matches we talked about tonight. So that will conclude uh, tonight's episode of Territorial. Um, I hope you enjoy going on this journey of Flair versus uh, Lawler in 82. Uh, in Memphis TV, I would highly go back and watch this and again, watch it in YouTube. Again, I played the audio clips, but kind of feeling that emotion, seeing the facials and everything doesn't truly do it justice. Um, so it was really, really cool to see it. So, um, on our next episode, uh, we are looking, uh, we will be going to Georgia championship wrestling. Um, I won't tell you what we're going to talk about, uh, but it is a pretty infamous face turn coming out of probably one of the most heated feuds at the time in 1983 so i'll let you stew and sit on that so until then i am sean kidd and we will see you on the next episode of territorial thanks everybody put on my blue suede shoes and i boarded the plane touchdown in the land of the delta blues in the middle of the pouring rain wc handy Oh, 
In the middle of the pouring 